listeners, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Be Kind and Listen podcast. This is your host, Jess. Thanks for joining me as we show kindness to others by listening to their stories of heartache and grief. Today's guest is my friend, Lindsay. Lindsay and I went to school together when we were younger, and then she ended up working at the same place as my mom years later. I followed Lindsay's pregnancy with her son Lincoln through her blog, and I'm so glad to have her as a guest today to share this story. Thank you, Jessica, for this opportunity. And fun little fact, Jessica's mom, who this podcast was originally started to honor, um, was my Sunday school teacher for a brief period of time when I was a little girl. And I have very fond, precious memories of her mother, um, who was a beautiful light in the darkness. And I just wanted uh, everyone to know that she would be so humbled that all of these wonderful stories are being shared in her honor. Um, And so proud of you, Jessica. So I really want to thank you um, for this opportunity and also want to thank you personally because sometimes Satan can, can steal our joy and, um, and steal, um, our story in a way. Um, sometimes I feel like, oh, everybody's heard your story or nobody wants to hear it. It doesn't help anyone. Um, nobody wants to hear a sad story about children. Um, And I know that's not the case, and I'm thankful for the opportunity just to get to do this and to be mindful of what God has done for me in my life and to hopefully share with others in a way that will bless their hearts as well. Um, So thank you. And uh, because I have shared before, um, I do have a written out testimony that I'm going to read. I'll try to make it sound a little more conversational, um, but I have a a way of forgetting what I'm going to say because I'm a very tired mama. So I wanted to make sure that um, I got everything laid out in the right way so that you guys could, could really understand the depths of what Christ has done for me. And um, well, I'll just get on with it. So when I look back over my life, it is amazing to me to see the linear nature of God's work. People often say that hindsight is twenty twenty, but I often find myself in humbled awe of seeing how God works in what we often think of as the mundane and regular, even to the smallest of decisions or actions. I see a little girl, that's me, who develops a love for basketball and then becomes friends with another little girl with the same passions. As they grow, their friendship deepens, and they become best friends, inseparable. And then that friend needs a date to the prom. And lo and behold, that prom date becomes your future husband. And so begins a new thread in the fabric of our lives, but one that is interwoven with many small instances nonetheless. I could be telling you a totally different story about my life, my husband, my marriage, our family, But I would like to tell you the story that I feel has defined my life in the greatest way to date. However, I can tell you that all of the stories that I could tell end the same. They all end with an abundance of God's mercy and an outpouring of His grace. 
And in hindsight of that, I am 100% certain. After my husband Tommy and I got married, we moved to Virginia Beach, Virginia because of his tenure in the U.S. Navy. We were very young and, like most young people, naively felt that we were in control of our own destinies. Thankfully, most of us don't experience the tragedies of life during our youth because I am not sure that we would have the capacity to handle them. Since we thought we were in control, which is hilarious, (laughs) we decided that it wasn't in our plan to have children right away. We needed time together as a couple, and I was adamant that I didn't think I could have children away from my home and my family and all the familiarity that that would entail. I thought that I needed that stability and the comforts of home, and specifically my mama, in order to start a family. I also thought that I would have no problem getting pregnant, and I couldn't have been more wrong. I have been pregnant eight times. I have two living children one stillborn child, and five miscarriages. I have miscarried six babies. If you are doing the math, I am not off by one, as my first pregnancy was identical twins. I know that God lives in the smallest places. I know that He works right down to the DNA of each individual, forming and knowing us intimately in our mother's wombs. I had to do fertility treatments to get pregnant with my son, Rocco. He was my third pregnancy and such a blessing. We were overjoyed when he arrived in dramatic fashion with 10 perfect fingers, 10 perfect toes, and a halo of blonde hair. I had never known love like I experienced that day, and I often think how unfathomable it is that God loves me even that much more. Because we wanted our children to be close in age, to grow up with a special bond that siblings share, we wanted to give Rocco a brother or sister fairly quickly. I had another miscarriage right off the bat, but then by the time Rocco's first birthday rolled around, we were expecting again. When you have experienced so many losses in such a short amount of time, you can imagine the anxiety over every little thing is very high. I was terrified to go to the bathroom and see blood. I followed all pregnancy books and doctor's advice to a T. I was a model patient. But being perfect is never an indication of an outcome that is completely out of our hands. This pregnancy seemed different from the beginning. Many might call it mother's intuition, but at the time, I didn't know anything was wrong, but things just felt different. I shrugged off those feelings as being tired and overwhelmed as a pregnant mama with another baby that was a terrible sleeper. At our 12-week ultrasound, the doctor noticed a small deformity in the baby's bladder. Nothing too terrible to worry about. It would likely correct itself, and in the event that it didn't, we were assured that it could easily be repaired with surgery after birth. We can do this, I thought. All other indications seemed normal, so we felt fairly confident that we didn't have anything to worry about. We were already seeing high-risk specialists at this time, and I felt that they were the best in the whole world. I trusted them implicitly, and if they didn't think I had anything to worry about, then I wasn't going to worry about it, except that I did, because that is what moms do. Around this time, we got a random phone call that someone wanted to purchase our home. You see, it had been on the market a year before, but we had not had any traction or offers, so we had pulled it and decided to wait. It seems that the people that called had looked at our home at that time, but they weren't in a position to buy. Remember when I talked about the interwoven fabric of God's plan? 
There are no such things as coincidences. We sold our house and started packing boxes. We had no house to go to because we were going to build on some property we owned. So we packed up and moved into my parents' home. I will never forget the foreboding feeling that I had going into that move. I remember calling my mom and telling her that I thought something was truly wrong with the baby, and that is why God had sold my home and was having me move back in with my parents. She tried to reassure me that it was just my anxiety, which is something I have struggled with my entire life, and that things were going to be fine. Unfortunately, I think that God was already preparing my heart for what was to come. At our 20-week ultrasound, it was concluded that my baby had a small cerebellum, which is a part of the brain, for his gestational age. At this point, an amniocentesis was recommended, and it would give us a better idea of what to expect in the future. I remember being so confident that God was going to perform a miracle on my baby. The test was going to come back normal against all of the odds. But unfortunately, it wasn't in God's plan. My baby, a little boy whom we had named Lincoln Allen, was diagnosed with trisomy 13. Every single cell in his little body had an extra chromosome. And I can promise you this, he was fearfully, wonderfully, and perfectly made. Lincoln was no accident. I think that I have read in a completely healthy woman, there is only a 30% chance of pregnancy each month. In a woman that has infertility issues, that number is drastically lower. In order for me to get pregnant, it was a low chance. Then to have a child with trisomy 13 is one in 10,000 births. If I was a betting woman, I would have taken those odds, one in 10,000. But I can clearly see that God ordained Lincoln's life specifically for me. The life I lived when pregnant with him was precious. I felt like I savored his pregnancy for the time I had with him because the odds we were given for his survival were not good. Only a 50% chance I could carry to term. Of those carried to term, only a 50% chance of surviving birth. Of those that survive birth, only a 10% chance of living to the first birthday. Due to the magic of social media, I was able to connect with other moms with trisomy 13 children, and some are very much alive and doing well even into their teens and 20s. Truly miraculous for a diagnosis that the medical community calls incompatible with life. We tried to remain positive about Lincoln's future and his prognosis. We knew the odds were against us, but we serve a mighty God. Each appointment was a flurry of ultrasounds, blood work, nurses, and doctors. Each appointment, I felt we left with a little more hope than the week before, a little closer to that coveted due date. Lincoln didn't appear to have any major deformities that are common with trisomy 13. He did have small problems, but none that the doctors felt were so horrible that they would end up being fatal. So we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for our boy. And during this time, I can honestly say that there would not be two sets of footprints in the sand. God carried me for those nine months in a way that I hope I never have to be carried again in my life. While my baby boy struggled to maintain his life, my relationship with Christ flourished. As a Christian, I can honestly tell you that one of my greatest faults is forgetting my time with God when things are going good. I become complacent and comfortable, and I can forget what it feels like to walk in the darkness of the valley. 
but during the time of Lincoln's pregnancy, I was in a very strange position because I was devastated knowing of my child's problems, but yet I was liberated in God's mercy and grace. If you have never been through such a trial, it is hard to explain, but I can tell you that God knows your heart and He catches every tear and He sees and understands your problems better than anyone else can. For instance, I can tell you that I can recall twice in my life where I have distinctly heard God's voice, and one of those times was when I was pregnant with Lincoln. I used to always put on praise music in my car on the way to and from work, and that was my special time. I would worship and pray, and I was free to just let the tears flow in my own private space because I knew that I needed to hold it together at home for my family. But one time on the way home from work, I remember begging God to spare Lincoln's life. And I begged him to just let him have trisomy 21, which you might know as Down syndrome, instead of trisomy 13. Anything to keep him alive and with me. And in my heart, I heard God whisper, I gave my son, why can't you give yours? And from that point forward, I knew that the outcome would not likely be good. I still prayed for a miracle that only God would provide, hoping that He would pour out His mercy and spare my Lincoln, but I wasn't surprised on the day that I stopped feeling movements as vibrantly as before, and I wasn't surprised when the ultrasound tech had to tell me that there was no heartbeat. But what should surprise you is that I was never mad at God, and I don't say that in a bragging way, but for you to understand that even though he was allowing me to go through this trial, he carried me through it. He provided everything I needed to survive. When the time actually came for me to birth Lincoln and it was time to push, I had a moment of pure panic and I screamed out that I wasn't ready. And my precious doctor, who I think that day had a face like Jesus, told me that it was going to be okay. But do you know the worst sound that you can hear in the delivery room? It's no sound at all. The sound of silence was so deafening in the room that it seemed like the roaring of the ocean. But I can tell you that I have never, never felt the presence of God like I did in that hospital bed. And though my Tommy's shoes were planted firmly on the tile of the concrete floor, he was standing on holy ground that day. And I swear out of the corners of my eyes, I could see Jesus standing in the corners of that room. And though my heart was broken in a way that I didn't know possible and wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, the feeling of peace that I had was one like no other. Even Lincoln's death was God's mercy for me. I didn't have to worry about him suffering, being in pain, being ridiculed for being different, being hurt. I just know that God thought he was so special that he couldn't risk sending his little soul to earth. So he took Lincoln back home to heaven for eternity. And because of his promise and what he did for us on the cross, I know that I will see my baby again in heaven, fully restored. But the story doesn't end there. The second time I heard God's voice was a few months after Lincoln's death. Although I felt God so close during that time, I was still living in a world of sorrow and sadness. My pastor had approached me about going on a mission trip with him to Africa. He knew I had a passion for missions, and I think God had spoken to him about me going. When I was praying about it one night while I was in the shower, I was asking God to please give me a sign, and I wanted a knock-me-over-the-head kind of sign, not a subtle nod. 
So after this prayer, I got out my Bible and was reading a devotional on hope that I had started during Lincoln's pregnancy. That day's Bible reading had me in James, chapter 1, verse 27, where I turned the page to be knocked smack in the face with God's directive to me on going to Africa. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. He could have dropped a Bible on my head, and it wouldn't have been more clear. So I went, and I shared my story with a woman in Africa who had lost her baby years before. And she was so amazed that a woman from the Western world with Western medicine could lose a child. And I was able to love orphans and get hugs and kisses and just be so overwhelmed by the fullness of their hearts. And later that week, I saw the woman that I had spoken with get baptized. She had given her life to Christ, and I know that it was His mighty work. But I also know that He allowed a second little baby boy to influence the spirit of that woman. And a portion of the big hole that was made in my heart when Lincoln died was repaired on that day. And after Lincoln's death, we still wanted to add to our family. It was a very terrifying time for us, but we knew that it was the right choice. I suffered two miscarriages again before starting a new stronger fertility medicine. After round one was unsuccessful, we had planned a birthday trip for our son, who was about to be four, to Disney World. Anyone that has been through infertility treatments knows that it is an exhausting process. So my husband and I agreed that we needed to take a break for a month while we went on this vacation. We wanted to concentrate on Rocco and make the trip all about him. But you know the saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. The day before we left for our trip, I found out that I was pregnant, naturally with no infertility treatments. While on vacation, I had to find two doctors in two different vacation or two different locations to take my blood levels because if my hormones dropped, I had to take additional medication. After Disney, we had driven up to Panama City to spend a few days. And after having my blood drawn there, I got back to our condo feeling quite uneasy. But walking out onto the balcony, I saw the biggest, brightest rainbow that I had ever seen in my entire life. Most of you probably know that children that are born after a loss, be it a miscarriage or a stillbirth, are called rainbow babies because they are the rainbow after the storm. And from that point on, I knew that my pregnancy was going to be just fine. Stella Jane was born the following April, again in dramatic fashion, a bonus surprise by the God who pours out His love, grace, and mercy on us every single day. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is good and He is able. And I'm honestly able to say that it is well with my soul. Lindsay, thank you for taking the time to share your story with us and for reminding us of the abundance of God's grace and mercy in our lives. Mm-hmm.